Multifamily owners and operators have a lot of choices to make when they think about implementing smart apartment or smart buildings. For example, what thermostats do I use and how does that work with the software platform I'm interested in? How does that work in a single building versus my entire portfolio? Today we're joining Kent Dixon, the general manager of Udomi. He's going to talk a little bit about how his platform makes it a lot easier for your software providers to connect to various devices, ultimately leading to freedom and flexibility to manage a portfolio and a wide array of devices that meet your needs. In full disclosure, Unomi is an Allegiant company. So hit the like button, share with your friends, and always, thanks for listening. So Kent, thanks for joining uh, the podcast today. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Wanted to jump right into it. So we're seeing a lot of adoption of smart apartments, smart buildings for various reasons. You know, traditionally, people have talked about, you know, the resident experience and the byproducts of those systems for the resident. But we're seeing a lot of adoption or at least a lot of curiosity towards implementing these systems because of property efficiencies. And so I think the time is right now where understanding the complexity and, and making it a lot easier for the ownership to decide to move forward is is a hot topic. And I think that's where Unomi really comes in. I think you guys have the ability to make those decisions through their technology partners a little bit easier. Can you tell us a little bit about core to what Unomi does? Who are you guys? And kind of introduce us to, to the Unomi team. Yeah, glad to do that. So Unomi is uh, is a company that has been around since 2013. And at the beginning of last year, 2021, we came into formally into the Allegian family. So we're uh, so we're part of Allegian now. But along the way, what we've been doing is trying to build cloud platforms for IoT to make it ultimately easier for people creating great solutions, whether it's around smart apartment or something else, for connecting to connected devices. Because, you know, back in 2013, you know, where we saw the puck going and it's still going there, it's, it's, uh, it's gaining momentum now, is that, you know, everything's going to be connected. Everything that can be connected will be connected. And so in these smart spaces where people uh, live and work, the implications around user experience are really big. So we wanted to make it really easy for clever, bright, entrepreneurial people to you know, have a vision for a type of experience that they can enable, whether it's around efficiency or access or you know, amenities that they could uh, basically easily connect to and take advantage of the capabilities of these smart devices. So that's what we've been building out. You know, it's a platform for software developers who are creating these these solutions, but uh, we think it it massively lowers the barrier to entry to actually be able to interact with IoT devices. Yeah, so I think that's a really good point to start off with. I think for your company the way I understand it, smart spaces is maybe a better way think about it. It doesn't matter if your partners are the technologists that are inventing or developing software for spaces that are included in a home or whether it's an apartment or whether it's a building or an office space. I, I like to think of your company as one that allows that connectivity to the devices, right? All those different sensors, or it could be a lock, it could be a thermostat, whatever it may be. And then connecting that to those software platforms to enable those experiences. So in, in this use case, right, whether you're an ownership and you're considering smart apartment, you know, I think a lot of what I hear is, which thermostat should I use? And am I locked in in that thermostat over time based on which partners I choose? I think 
Can we pull on that thread a little bit about how you know me makes that a little bit easier? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think the <laughs> I think the analogy that uh, people who build plat well, first of all, the term platform is often mis <laughs> misused, and then people try to make uh, an analogy to operating systems, like oh, we're we're basically the operating system. That's probably not exactly accurate either. But there is an element of it of, of you know, we all have experience using our desktop computer or our, our mobile uh, smartphone. And you can pretty easily as a user uh, sort of swap out, you know, using, you know, AirPods right now or using the onboard mic or, or what you have. Like that should be all plug and play from a user experience standpoint. If you have a, a different headset or whatever, it'll just work. You don't need to like go get a different operating system. You don't have to go, in most cases, go get new software. It's just going to work with that operating system. That's what we're trying to have the experience be for, say, smart apartment solutions and apps that, you know, you write this once to say, hey, you know what I really want to include in my smart apartment solution is thermostat control. And you can kind of go build out that thermostat control uh, through an interface that we provide that is a really common sort of thing. and Hey, in apartment or building A that you're that you have, you may they may be all Honeywell thermostats. Great, it works with that. But then in building B, they're all Ecobee thermostats. And guess what? We work with that too. And that solution developer didn't have to change a line of code. They integrated once. It says this is how I am going to incorporate thermostats, and this is the kind of controls and the user experience I'm going to create around that for my users and my property managers. But I don't have to go do a bespoke integration with Honeywell or a bespoke integration with Ecobee. It's just, to me, it's a thermostat. And it's, at that level, sort of a commodity at that point. I think that's an important point to you know, underscore, you know, in new construction, I think it's a little bit easier if you're developing a brand new building. You know, what type of technology do you want to put in this building? What does your technology stack look like? How do I want it possibly to evolve over time? I think that adds a layer of complexity. But in the aftermarket, if you have an existing building or if you're an owner who has a portfolio of buildings and all of them have different levels of technology, probably not from the same manufacturer. What I think I'm hearing is you're trying to make it easier for those technology partners to say, yep, we can work with that. Whether you have multiple manufacturers of thermostats inside the building, right? It's, it's that ease of entry. And, and in many ways, then that becomes also freedom of choice. I think I've heard you guys talk a little bit about that. Uh, from a term you've used before, is this what you would call your trait-based model? Is that why it's so important for companies and developers to look at that? I, I like to call it as that broader ecosystem, but I think you guys are taking it down a layer further. Is that what resonates? Is that what you're trying to build? It absolutely is. And trait-based model really is just the idea that anything that can be common amongst devices should be common. So the notion of a set point on a thermostat, you know, should be common amongst all thermostats. They, it isn't, there's not an industry standard for this or anything else. So we've kind of created this common trait-based way that, that you as a software maker can sort of just say, hey, the only thing I would want to do at this point in time is send you a thermostat set point, say cool to 72. I don't care how it got there. I don't care that you know each of the different thermostat vendors implemented that differently. That's invisible to me. And you know, taking that a further level, it's easy to sort of say, hey, by device type, they're all going to have these sort of common things like set point or in lock. You know, it's going to be a lock or unlock or a relock delay or something like that. Um, that should be common amongst all of those things. And we try to make that 
as common and seamless and portable essentially as it can be. But at another layer, you know, there are a bunch of things that basically just have on and off states. They may be, you know, lights or speakers or what what have you. And, you know, the way that you as a software developer sort of say, hey, I want to t- turn things off, you should have to just learn that one time and not have to do that across multiple device types. At the end of the day, it feels like if you had probably going to butcher this but if you had simple devices, you know, kind of binary on off type things, you're helping unify a way to connect to that. I think there's additional value then that you're creating where if you had a really complex device where there's multiple functions that you're making integration to those devices easy or easier because you're creating a pathway that is repeatable across your device manufacturers, partners, whoever you're, you're creating those pathways to. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And uh, again, we think that lowers the barrier to entry, certainly lowers the amount of code that needs to be written in order to achieve any of these experiences that we're talking about. And that's not to be underappreciated. You know, uh, maybe most people are not as hyper aware of this as I am, but it's a macro trend that uh, that has been happening for a long time, and it's just getting more profound these days, I think, which is just the availability of software developers in the world. You know, so much of business and solutions and experiences is enabled by software. The demand for software developers to go create those things is very, very high. And there's simply just not enough to go around. And, and that's not ever going to get fixed. It really isn't. I mean, we'll, the, the supply and demand curve will always be out of whack on that. And so anything that we can do to kind of lower that barrier to entry so that rather than having to have, you know, 20, an army of 20 software developers go create this solution, you might actually be able to do it with 10 because, you know, the hard sort of plumbing pieces of this, you know, uh, suddenly, you know, are easy to do. Yeah, I, I, I see that most certainly in the, in the access control locking side of the business. If there was an easier pathway, we would see more adoption amongst our partners. And I know we share some partners and I would most certainly say it feels like if you can create a path where that partner can take their core resources to work on their core business model, that downstream benefits everybody, right? It's easier for them to connect to various devices and, and they leverage the Unomi, your company, to, to get that done. At the same time, then their core software engineers and developers can work on their core business model, whether that's innovating or connecting or creating a better you know, resident experience or developing a better dashboard or an operational efficiency for the owner, or understanding that business more deeply and creating processes. It feels like you're, you're bringing that highly needed efficiency model and saying, We'll take this portion of your work that everybody has to do, and it's this repeatable model. We're going to simplify it for you so that the technologists out there can go work on their core missions and, and use their resources appropriately. Exactly. That's, that's, the, that's the vision. We think that's the value that we add here. Maybe a little bit for the audience, something to touch on, and I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyways. We see a lot of devices out there today communicate through different protocols, right? Whether you're talking about Z-Wave, Zigbee, Wi-Fi. For you guys, does, does that impact the work you do? You work with any communication protocol. Can you lean into that a little bit? The short answer is we can, but the nuance and the detail around that, around that answer is that uh, these devices somehow have to be accessible uh, to us, you know, via an API or the cloud. And so, for years, we've worked with 
Zigbee and Z-Wave devices as well as Wi-Fi devices. But of course, the Zigbee and Z-Wave devices, you know, all have a you know a hub that connects them at a local level that connects up to uh, to their host cloud platform, and we integrate at that level. So at that level, you know, we're pretty agnostic. You know, we we can still normalize those things. Like literally, we have some thermostats that are on the platform that operate over over Z-Wave and some that operate over Wi-Fi, but they can still be normalized that way. Uh, the plumbing of how they get down there, you know, can can be complex, but usually that's masked uh, to the user. But it's been really interesting. I've been in the space for a long time, way before 2013, and used to actually be on the board of directors of the, of the Zigbee Alliance. And so, I'm, you know, very familiar with how, you know, all these communication technologies and protocols have evolved. We're converging on a thing these days called Matter um, that you may all have heard of from the from the CSA and and matters going to be pretty important in a lot of ways it is meant to make uh, devices when when you take them out of the box uh, and start plugging them in or mounting them on walls or doors in smart spaces that they'll be much more easy to connect to the local network to be discovered by other things that might be their hubs and voice assistants and that type of thing. And the user experience will be better. So, you know, I think we we all have some experience, I'm sure, of IoT devices and bringing them home, plugging them in. And, you know, if there are Wi-Fi devices, you have to go set up a access point and you change your phone around to go join the access point of the smart plug you just plugged in, then give it your Wi-Fi credentials, then switch back over. Like this is a terrible user experience and it's fraught with errors and everything else. I think Matter should make that much more seamless so that a regular old consumer, you know, my mother-in-law or whatever, can take a thing out, out of out of the box and plug it in, and with just some very simple couple of steps that has no knowledge of how networking really works, basically has it connected and functioning the way that they want it to. So that's going to be a boon. But then the other piece that I think at the end of the day is really also going to accelerate the adoption of smart devices, not just it's easier for consumers to acquire them and get them connected, but for folks who are creating solutions to be able to do that a little bit easier. And of course, we've been working on this layer to make that easier for software developers. That still is very much required in this world. But one of the things that I I think is interesting and maybe below the sort of nerdy level that, that maybe a lot of the audience cares about. Uh, but the notion of IP addressability of devices is going to be, you know, it's going to tear down more of these barriers, I think, you know, and these, uh, you know, proprietary or not proprietary, but just, you know, non-IP types of things with Zigbee and Z-Wave and, and, and Bluetooth and whatnot. Once devices are IP addressable, and you basically just go through a regular old router in the smart space to do all the plumbing for that stuff, it makes it easier. And so it kind of gives us the best of both worlds, all the great things that we all know and love about Wi-Fi, but it's kind of a power hungry type of technology and all the great things that we know and love about Zigbee and Z-Wave being a low power type of thing and uh, bringing IP across all of those things is what this technology called Thread is uh, is doing right now. And, and I think the outcome in the long term will be really great for consumers, for solution developers, for property owners and all that. That is a long-winded way to answer your question. But I, but I think all that stuff is, is ultimately pretty relevant here. Yeah, I think so. My main takeaway from that, because I've, I have read quite a bit around Matter and, and then next people start bringing thread into the conversation. I, I think if I were to put a capstone on that, 
it feels like if we're going to accelerate adoption of all of these sensors and devices, getting to a true plug and play for these next gen devices is what matter and ultimately Thread are going to help us get to um, alleviating all those frustrations that, that some of us have most certainly have felt when we thought things should be plug and play and, and they truly are not, right? Uh, spending way too much time on the on the web trying to figure out how to make this thing work or calling a friend or calling tech support and just burning out, right? Versus just the ability to activate the device if that requires turning it on and then things just work. Uh, you know, I, I think from that perspective, it feels like those are the next big hurdles. It certainly sounds like you guys are, are involved in helping solve that and then bring that into the partnerships that you're creating, uh, whether, again, it's, you know, technologists that are tackling smart home or smart apartment or smart building or smart spaces. feels like you're a necessary layer. For me, the main takeaway from, from a Unomi perspective is I like the term plumbing, right? You guys are, are doing all that back-end plumbing to enable those technology partners to focus in on their core values. Again, whether that's delivering an amazing resident experience or iterating on their software to allow ownership to then make adoption a lot easier. And there's freedom and choice, right? Uh, I don't have to spend time now integrating to four or five different thermostats to make my business go forward. I could do one integration and you know me is going to take care of that for me. And at the end of the day, I think that then drives that adoption that, that we're looking for in the space. That's exactly right. I, uh, I think that that's going to accelerate things quite a bit as well. And, you know, plumbing, I'm, I'm glad you like the term plumbing. It's not very sexy. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what really makes uh, the user experiences possible. And uh, I think, you know, it unleashes innovation that is really going to move the needle in, in this smart space business because they're, they're people, you know, much more creative and smart and visionary than we are here who can kind of envision how to make things uh, smoother, more efficient, or more enjoyable for end users. And we want them to put all their effort behind that and less and less on plumbing. So we'll take it. We'll, we'll take care of that stuff. Maybe one last question related to that then is, is this where some of the complexities of all the different APIs that are out there slow things down as well? And are you guys contributing to managing that? Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's largely what I mean by plumbing. Uh, but, but yeah, without a doubt, this is, this is a path we've been, uh, on for a very long time. Of course, the APIs through which all these third party devices are made available are all quite different from one another. And that's why it's such a barrier for folks to go integrate with more than one. Uh, so, so yeah, we live that nightmare, if you will, every day and, uh, and essentially abstract it away. But it's not just the APIs themselves, it's the relationships uh, with those vendors as well, because, you know, we're all technology providers, and we're all supporting these cloud environments, we're all implementing security and stuff. And there's a fair amount of high touch relationship that needs to happen amongst that ecosystem of folks. So yes, we're writing code there, but we're also making agreements and, and we're communicating about upcoming changes and we're doing all that stuff. And so that's why, you know, it's just really just a mountain of, of responsibility for any individual solution provider to try to achieve that same thing. We, we can do that because it is our core business and uh, we have accepted that fate. So in summary, I would say at the end of the day, you know me may not 
be the front end brand that some of these property managers and owners are, are making key decisions yeah. on. But at the end of the day, if you're working in the back end with their technology partners, you're certainly going to make it a lot easier for them to make those decisions. And if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about you know me, where can they find some information? We've got a really great uh, developer site. So this is how folks, uh, our, our customers and partners normally start engaging with us is going to our developer site and reading our docs and, and starting to do you know some POC development there. They could basically kind of get get started right out of the jump and and uh, it's it's super easy. It's called developers uh, you know me.com is the is the developer portal. You know me spelled Y O N O M I. Give it a look. I and mean, there's some other great sort of content uh, out there that we've created, not just you know technical content, but you know, a lot of contextual stuff about what's happening in the marketplace. Very good. Well, thanks for spending some time with me today. Appreciated having you on the podcast and looking forward to chatting again in the future. Real pleasure. Thank you. So thanks for joining today's episode of Solving for Multifamily. If you like the episode, hit the like button, share with your friends. We'll see you next time.